might start. Thank you very much for coming. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a blessing to see you this morning. And I trust we'll we'll have a good good uh, a, a good uh, forty five minutes and um, understand more of uh, of the Lord's word. So let's pray and ask the Lord to bless us. Father God, we thank you for for um, a wonderful salvation. Lord, we thank you for the gifts you've given us. We thank you, Father God, for for the many things that you have done for us simply because we've trusted you. And Father, as we look into your word now, we pray for your Holy Spirit to guide us, guide us into understanding of your truth, Father. I pray that your people would see you through the word and not myself, Lord. I pray, Father God, that you might bless each heart this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, so... Um, We've been going through this series of uh, the biblical realities for life and uh, we've, uh, we've come up to the Holy Spirit and what we've been doing over the last few weeks is the filling of the Holy Spirit and we found that uh, to be filled with the Holy Spirit one had to yield to uh, God's commands, to the Holy Spirit's convictions. And then we looked at the, uh, uh, at the fact that the Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives and uh, this, was, this was quite challenging because we realised towards the end that um, it's, the whole, it's God's will, it's the Holy Spirit's will that we display every one of those fruits. And when we look at it and compare it to our lives, we think, oh my goodness, that is a tall order. But anyway, with the strength, with the guidance and the um, enabling of the Holy Spirit, we are able to do this as far as I can see according to the Bible. And secondly, we've, we've started looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit and uh, to make it easier for us to understand, um, we've, we found that the, um, sorry, I jumped the gun, uh, the, the church can't function and can't mature without properly and faithfully using the gifts that God has given his people. It's not possible. As, as unsaved people, uh, we don't have the capacity to do what God requires. So, so the Lord had to give gifts to his saved people. And that, that's a blessing. It shows us that not only has he saved us, but he's equipping us for a, for a life of uh, service for God. Then we found that the gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians, uh, Romans, uh, even uh, Ephesians, they fall into two categories. <coughs> There's the permanent gifts that edify the church and are continuing to edify the church and are continuing to be given. And then there's the temporary gifts which were signs to confirm the word of God in the early days. And uh, this is where the contention lies. Over Christendom, over the last hundred years or so, um, what is a permanent gift and what is a temporary gift has been the, the, the subject of much consternation. So what we, what we tried to do was uh, list the gifts um, uh, according to permanent in this list. Um, so we, we tried to list the gifts from 1 Corinthians 7 to 10, 12, to 12 6 to 8. We put them down and um, the, the fact this word permanent here, um, the commentators 
because they're all over the place, it, 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 it appeared that somehow these might be permanent. Uh, but we found that that actually might not be the case, that, that in fact it's a grey area. So we went through the, the ones that there was no, uh, from mercy to teaching, there's no, uh, uh, there's no consternation about these, there's, not, there's no difference about these. So we've gone through those and these we've set on the side for a while. Now, <coughs> so we finished the non-controversial and permanent gifts of the Holy Spirit in here, oops, sorry, back, in here, those ones. But in fact, some gifts are repeated in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. So for completeness, I have to put them in. Now, uh, bear in mind that this is grayed, and uh, my slide with the grey is not there, but we're going to come to those one by one over the next couple of weeks. But at the moment, what we've said is from teaching to mercy, we, we all agree that they are permanent gifts and they are still in action today. The Holy Spirit is still um, uh, uh, supplying those gifts. Now, for completeness, I have to put here the, these permanent gifts that are repeated. Now, let's read... Um, uh, let's read 1 Corinthians 12, 28. If you open to 1 Corinthians 12, 28, let's read that together. Um, and God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Now, because they're repeated there, I've put them there and I've only listed the ones that we are quite happy with, that they are permanent. Now, what I'll do is I'll quickly compare, before I go on, I'll quickly compare these three, just, just again for completeness, because they're repeated and I've left out the non-permanent ones. So... If we first say, okay, is there any difference with the teachers? So in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it lists teachers. In, in, in Romans 12, 6 to 8, it lists teaching. Is there a difference? Well, the Greek word is slightly, slightly different. Um, for example, in, uh, in uh, Romans 12, 6, this one here, this Greek word 13, 19, as it's identified by the Strong's Concordance, um, that is uh hang on a minute. I didn't I didn't list it, I'm sorry. Oh yes I did, sorry, sorry, there it is. Uh three nineteen, I didn't list it. So in, in this one here, this is just teaching in general. So that comes from a Greek word which I won't try and pronounce, but it's just teaching in general, and in fact that the Greek word for that one comes from that one. Now, how the, um, how the commentators do that, I'm not sure, but anyway, they, they say it comes from that word. I'm, I'm pretty sure, well, they, they have Greek scholars there, but from my point of view, um, well, actually, yes, I can, because the, the word is uh, didaskalia, which is three, th 1319, and 1320 is didaskalos. So, of course, it comes from that. Now, the difference there is that this one, that one there, simply is specific to Christian teaching. 
So it, it, it's simply that um, the Strong's Concordance lists the uh, description of the teaching as, for example, in the New Testament, one who teaches concerning the things of God, uh, or um, of those who by their great power as teachers draw crowds around them, i.e. John the Baptist or Jesus. So for some reason, this Greek word has been used in relation to the teaching of the Word of God, to, to, to uh, biblical teaching. Um, and of course, uh, the, the Strong says that this was used of Jesus by himself and of the apostles and of Paul. So that's the only difference between the two words. So uh, there's, not, there's, there's not much difference, really, um, but I'll put it there just for completeness. So essentially, it's the same thing. Yes, Zoe? Well, you're searching and I'm into the word. Uh-huh. And you're talking Okay, that, that would account for the two the slight differences. Okay, all right, thanks, Zoe. But essentially, the meaning is the same. Yeah. So teaching is teaching. So it's the same gift. Then secondly... Secondly, we have, we have uh, leadership or government. So in, in, uh, in uh, Romans 12.6 or 12.7, uh, we have this word ruleth, he that ruleth, but the commentators like to call it leadership. In, uh, in um, 1 Corinthians 12.28, the word is governments. That's the word in the Bible. Now, again, they're, they're slightly different. So governments here in... Um, Governments in, uh, in, this, in this one, sorry. Governments in this one, 1228, is, um, is one Greek word which actually means to steer or pilot. For example, when, when a, uh, a ship pilot steers a ship on its proper course to its proper destination. So that's what, that's what governments mean here. And um, that's a good definition, actually. We shall... I wish our state governments and, 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 and federal governments would, would take on that, um, that definition. Uh, then this one ruleth, as in Romans 12, 6. Well, that, that's more of the idea of to superintend or preside over or to protect or to be a guardian. So I think it covers, it covers essentially the, the, the same idea and the commentators, again, say the two Greek words are different, but um, it's the same gift. It's one and the same gift. So I think, I think we're okay with that one. But anyway, for completeness, it's there. And then the third one, which we need to just talk about quickly, is these two. The, the gift of ministering, as it's listed in Romans 12, and the gift of helps. In Romans 12:28. Now, these also, again, two different Greek words. Are they are they the same thing? Um, now, in uh, in Romans in Romans 12:17, in Romans 12:7, which is this one here, the word ministering. Um, it's it's that word where we get the word deacon from, diakonia. And of course, uh, it, it, it means the ministration of those who render service to others, uh, especially in the office of, um, uh, of the Christian church. And those who meet, uh, who meet um, 
who meet the needs by the collecting or distributing charities. And of course, specifically the office of the deacon or the services of those who prepare food. So that's, that's Romans, Romans uh, 12.7, this, this Greek word here, which we get the word deacon from. But for Romans 12.28, it's a different word. This Greek word 482, and this means um, to, uh, to lay hold of, to, to apprehend, um, or to aid, or to help. Now this is a little bit different. <coughs> now the commentators say that, that when this word is used, it's, it's got a, a bit more meaning. So for example, this is a gift for service of helping others in a day-to-day uh, and often unnoticed way. So the Greek word that's identified here as 484, which is antilapesis. Antilapesis? I think, something like that anyway. Anyway, the, the commentators said this is an especially beautiful word, meaning to take the burden off someone else and put it on yourself. So the gift of helps is, uh, is quite an impressive gift. And one thinks immediately of Galatians 6.2, where Galatians 6.2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And the com- commentator suggests that this is one of the most widely distributed gifts. And I thought, okay, well, how, how can he say that? You know, has, has, he, has, he, has he done a, uh, a consensus? Has, has he, has he um, counted everyone? I thought, how would he know? But then again, um, it does make sense when you think of John 13.35, for example. Uh, John 13.35, where, where Jesus says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If you, if you have love one to another... So Jesus is saying that, that many of us would attract unbelievers to the gospel this way. So if, if Jesus says... By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. He's suggesting that all us Christians, we should exhibit that, uh, that, that sort of love. So that, that gifts of helps, of, of taking the burden of someone else and putting it onto yourself, is, is indeed a, a, a lovely gift and the connotation seems to be that... that we should all have it. Now, Paul used the same word, 484, um, in, uh, in, in his final words to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20.35. He says there, so he's saying farewell to the Ephesian elders. He says, I have showed you all things how long that so labouring ye ought to support the weak. Now that's the same word, 484, as used in helps. So you can, you can understand the meaning and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus. So the gifts of helps is not a glamorous or showy gifts. And as it was in the Corinthian church, they tried to show their gifts and they tried to uh, get kudos for their gifts. 
But this gift of helps often is not highly prized or appreciated, but it is God's gift. And its faithful ministry is prized by God. Might not be prized by men, but it's prized by God. And, you know, our God is often described as full of loving kindness. So, of course, he would prize this gift greatly. Okay. Now let's move to one of the grey ones. These are, these are the controversial ones. Prophecy. What does it mean? Now, in the grey, in this here where we're wondering whether these are permanent or not, um, the word prophecy comes from the same Greek word in both cases. Now, let's go through this one slowly. Now, there are, there are two meanings to this Greek word. The way Strong's defines it, he gives it two meanings. So, the, the word prophecy, uh, which sounds like prophecy when you say it in Greek, but the word prophecy um, with the description means, one, a discourse emanating from divine inspiration and declaring the purposes of God whether by reproving and admonishing the wicked or comforting the afflicted or revealing things hidden. And then the commentator says, especially by foretelling future events. So you, you can see there's two meanings. The first bit is, you know, declaring the purpose of God, whether reproving, admonishing the wicked or comforting the afflicted. You know, that's a bit like preaching, isn't it? That's preaching that we would do today. But foretelling future events, that's definitely not preaching that we would understand as today. Then uh, uh, another one that says here, predictions of events relating to Christ's kingdom. You know, when, um, when, when the prophets predicted when Christ was born, when, when, where he would be born, etc. That, that's what we call that, um, uh, that prophecy about predicting future events, which we don't believe we do now. So, it's got two meanings, unfortunately. Now, the word, that word prophecy comes from another Greek word, which also adds some information to us. And again, there are two meanings in, in the word it comes from. So, it's a, it, it can be a bit confusing. So, again, the, second, the, the, sec, the word that that Greek word comes from has two meanings which are essentially the same as what I said just before. So, for example, um, it's, it's the interpreter of oracles or of other hidden things uh, or um, especially concerning future events uh, of the Old Testament prophets having foretold the kingdom, deeds and death of Jesus the Messiah or associated with the apostles or foretelling future events. And we have an example of that in the, in the New Testament. Let, let's turn to Acts 1127. Acts 1127. Okay, Acts 1127 says, And in those days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. Now remember, the apostles are alive at the moment, and Jesus has gone to heaven, but they're still on the earth 
um, preaching the word of God. And he came in these, in these names came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood up one of them, Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth through all the world which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every one, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea. So we can see there that um, this was foretelling and it was respected because the disciples acted on it. So it was legitimate at the time. I haven't heard anybody else say that at the moment with any, with any authority. So, so there's that meaning in there as well. And then there's another one in uh, Titus 1.12. Well, let's have a look there as well. So we can see that these people existed then. Let's have a look. Titus, Titus 1.12. Titus 1.12. Um, uh, one of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. So, again, Titus, um, no, Paul, who wrote this to Titus, believed that that prophecy, that that, that, that prophet was, was not a, uh, um, you know, was, was a legitimate prophet. He could, he could foretell the future, so to speak. So, there was... There were prophets then that were legitimate. <coughs> and, that's, and that word is encompassing that. Both these two words here are encompassing that. But then, of course, it has the other, it has the other meaning in the Strongs as well. And that is that it relates to the kingdom of God and human salvation. And of men filled with the Spirit of God, who by God's authority and commands in words of weight pleads the cause of God and urges salvation of men. Or, in the religious assemblies of the Christians, they were moved by the Holy Spirit to speak, having power to instruct, comfort, encourage, rebuke, convict, stimulate their hearers. So again, we would consider that, well, that's preaching. That's the preaching we do today. We, we, we preach from the Bible that way. So again, both meanings are in that one Greek word. And then there's another example, actually. Acts uh, 21.11. Let's look at that one as well, just so that we see. Acts 21.11. Acts 21.11. Now, this is... Um, uh, Agabus again, and in fact, if you go just back further, uh, you see in um, where is it? Oh yeah, uh, Paul entered into Philip's house, the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, the virgins, which did prophecy. So they were legitimate as well for the day but if you go down to 10 and as we carried there many days tarried there many days there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus so there's that Agabus uh, again and, and he prophesied that uh, that Paul would suffer persecution if he went to um, Jerusalem and again um, the disciples believed and thus respected 
what he was saying. So he was a legitimate prophet of the day. And, and one more, 2 Peter 1.21 Second Peter one twenty one. Second Peter one twenty one. For the prophets came not in old time by the will of God, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now that's a very telling one, isn't it? That clearly tells us that these were the people who wrote the Bible, those prophets, the le- those legitimate prophets. So encompassed in this word, prophecy, are all those meanings. Now in the New Testament times, the gift of prophecy had meanings of foretelling, as we've seen, some of the, uh, some of the prophets. And the other meaning uh, is, as Strong's Concordance describes it, men filled with the Spirit of God. Um, hang on a minute. Sorry, I missed the... No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Sorry. There it is. Yep. Uh, and it also had men filled with the Spirit of God who by God's authority and command in words of weight plead the cause of God and urge salvation of men. That's normal preaching. Um, preaching as we know it. And we've got some examples of this. For example, there were many instances of the Apostle Peter preaching as we know it. So, for example, in Acts 2.14 to 3.10, which I won't read all, um, Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be known unto you. And then Peter went along and expounded the word of God. He showed them how Jesus was a fulfilment of the Old Testament prophecy. And that was very effective preaching, actually, at the time, because it says um, they were pricked in their heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do to be saved? Then there's also um, a really modern example of preaching in Acts chapter 20. And uh, Paul was preaching. And as he was preaching, there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep as Paul was long preaching. <laughs> I thought I'd put that in. Anyway, pastor's not here to hear that one. <laughs> anyway, so then seriously, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.16, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me, and woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. So Paul was ready even to die for the gospel, but that's preaching as we know it. That's the preaching we know today. So we have this conundrum. Is it is it then or is it now? You know, is it foretelling? Can we still do it now? Or is it only for them? Now we have a very simple way of determining if the gift of prophecy is for today, if that foretelling is for today, or if it's only the preaching one. And all we have to do is go to the last book of the Bible. And if you go to the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, verse 18, um, the Apostle John says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. 
And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Pretty simple, isn't it? You know, the, the Agabus in those days was adding. Would ne- or if he spoke now, he'd be adding to the work of God. Imagine if he said, well, there's going to be a, um, there's gonna be a, a, a drought. Imagine if it was a modern-day Agabus. There's going to be a drought in a year. Or, or, or the Lord's coming tomorrow. <laughs> you know, with, with, if he said it with conviction, we would say, well, you're, you're adding. You're adding. To, well, actually, if you say the Lord's coming tomorrow, it's not really adding because we're saying no one knows. But, you know, you know what I mean. If you're adding to the word of God, uh, it's, it's, um, it's wrong. And that's what they were doing then because the word of God wasn't completed. Anyway, we'll, we'll come to that in a minute. So then, then we compare. Um, so so that, that's one way of determining whether or not what, what if we're saying it's permanent, what that means. And so far, it's starting to look, according to uh, Revelation 22, that uh, in fact, that foretelling aspect is not for today. That's what it's starting to look at. Now let's have a look at another um, verse, which hopefully will shed a little bit more light. Let's compare now 1 Corinthians 13, 8 to 10. And you might already know what that is. <coughs> 1 Corinthians 13, 8 to 10. Now, this is Paul uh, talking about the gifts again. But he says something very specific here. He says, now, Paul is here expounding the superiority of love, but in that, he says something very specific. He says, charity never faileth, but where there be prophecies, hello, same word, they shall fail. Where there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Now, <coughs> verse 9 is very interesting because that word for, for, now we know in part four, suggests here comes the reason. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. And now we have this, uh, this wonderful little phrase, when that which is perfect is come. And um, we're going co- to cover that one in a minute. Now, let's first look at the word fail. So, charity never faileth, but where there be prophecies, they shall fail. Now, what does that Greek word mean? Now, have I got it up here? Let's see. Oh, yeah, sorry, I missed that. There we go. They shall fail. There's, a, there's a, the Greek word identified as that. Now, that word fail, that word fail comes from a word, uh, from the Greek word, which means to render idle, to render unemployed, uh, or to deprive of its force, its influence, or its power, or to reduce to inactivity. So that's what it means uh, there. Now the commentator says that this word is passive in the Greek. Now remember we we looked at the various um, uh, um, properties of of words and in the Greek 
whether it's um, uh, the whether the the uh, tense, the voice, and the mood are, are generally all listed. So we have a, some idea of what the word means. Now, in this case, the word is passive. And when we looked at the passive voice in the filling of the Holy Spirit, remember, the passive voice means that someone does this to us. So the Holy Spirit fills us. We can't fill ourselves. And that's in the passive voice. And here, uh, it's the same thing. The commentator says, someone or something is causing the prophecies to cease. So there's a cause there. So what is that? The thing that causes the prophecies to cease is that thing that is perfect that is coming. So this is the cause. That which is perfect is come. That thing is causing the prophecies to cease. The prophecies of that occurred in the New Testament. Those foretelling prophecies. Now, the word perfect, uh, again, needs definition. It means to come of full age or brought to its end or finished or wanting nothing necessary for completeness. So it's complete or fully grown. Now, in defining this word uh, perfect, when this occurs, this is where the commentators go ballistic. And they really do. Some of them go way out. Now... One of them says, oh, when that which is perfect is come means completion of scripture, the rapture, maturing of the church, second coming of Christ, the eternal state. And I mean, you know, they are ballistic. It's wide. So one of, three of those are wrong. Three of those are definitely wrong. So the best explanation I could find from one commentator um, is, is, is this. Conservative biblical scholars have proposed three main interpretations of perfect, when that which is perfect is come. Three, three, three uh, interpretations. Uh, one is a reference to the completion of the canon of the scripture. Um, which, which was partial revelation until the Bible came. And uh, so we see knowledge, prophecy and tongues were partial revelation at that time. But, now the, but when the scripture came, uh, that was complete revelation. So that culminated in the complete revelation of God's scripture. And that's why, that's why um, uh, Revelation says no one is to add or subtract from the word because it's, because it's complete. Or it may refer to the maturation of the body of Christ. So that's another. That's a. Th- that, that, that's probably one of these guys here, maturing of the church. Now, as as for Ephesians four eleven. Now let's have a quick look at that, because uh, it's worth it's worth um, discounting that. Ephesians four eleven. To 16, Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. And he gave some apostles and some pastors and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, 
unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness where, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body with the edification with the edifying of itself in love now i mean you could sometimes say okay this means that we're all going to be really happy when we get to heaven and we're talking about heaven uh, and that sort of thing but really if you read this it's talking about uh the here and now um, where, where uh, God has put in gifted people into the church for, for the edification uh, of, of, of the um, Christians. See, it says here, 14, For henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. The idea is that this is the ideal that we're aiming for, but it's possible uh, to, a, to a reasonable degree today. Because that's why the pastors and, 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 and the teachers are given to the church for that very reason. So the church is not split and goes all over the place. So the, so the church is not carried away with every, every doctrine that comes up. You know, the Bible tells us that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. That's its function. So therefore, the, um, uh, the people must be edified. They, they must be built up by the preaching of God's word. So the way I see this, this second one does not make sense because over the last 2,000 years, there's been many churches. We've had the early church. We've, um, we've had some, some churches. And I know we've had dark ages, but there's been many little groups of churches around the place where believers have been built up. We've had the revivals of the 1800s uh, where, where, church, where many people were saved, where many people were functioning well in the church. So this, this is a... Um, <coughs> This is a time, this, is, this time is not defined. So it cannot be the maturing of the church because it, was, it, was it, you know, 300 AD? Was it 1700 AD? You know, was it now? And every church should be aiming toward this. So it doesn't seem to be that it's this time frame maturing of the church because that's, that's too broad. It's not definite. So... And then thirdly, uh, the commentators say, the conservative commentators say, or it may refer to the coming of Christ. But, but here, it's quite definite. Paul employs here the neuter in, in, in the word um, uh, um, when that is in the word perfect. And the neuter means it's neither male nor female. Now, in our interlinear at home, it's transliterated this way. It, but when but comes the perfect thing. So, when the perfect comes, that's how it's translated. It, it's thing. Now, Zoe's checked the spelling, and indeed it is neuter in, in the Greek. And so, that can, so, therefore, the commentator is correct, right? <laughs> anyway, that's a joke. All right. Um, but Paul employs the neuter because he doesn't contemplate an individual. 
So that's specific, you see. So therefore it cannot refer to the coming of Christ. So by, by, by um, elimination, the explanation is the complete canon of Scripture. It can't mean anything else. It can only mean that. Yeah. So it can only mean uh, when the Bible is completed. So when the Bible is completed, those prophecies that were foretelling, those prophecies that were, were, were preaching without reference to the written word of God, they have now ceased. They have, they have been stopped by the Bible's completion, which happened around 95, 96, something like that, AD. So prophecies shall fail. Yeah, let's see. Now, just going back to 1 Corinthians 12, 28, where we saw that list of um, gifts, the apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Now, remember some of those are temporary. They're listed without a chronological distinctiveness. That means there's no, and, and no reference to duration. That, that's, they're only listed that way in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, um, because they were all in effect at the time. That's the only reason they're listed that way. And that's probably what causes a lot of people confusion, but then again, you wonder. Okay, so why is... Um, so why... That, that's why prophecy is legitimately in this list. Because we've already said teaching, exhortations, leadership, helps, giving and mercy... Prophecy in this list, uh, as um, as ah, uh, oh, sorry, sorry, I jumped again. Now, why is it in this list then? Why is it in that list if we've just defined um, supernatural uh, prophets where they're foretelling? Why is it in that list? Well, it's in that list because if we go to Corinthians twelve six. It says, having then gifts differing to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophecy according to the prep, uh, proportion of faith. Now that, that, that little phrase, according to the proportion of faith, is very interesting. Because what that means is, um, according to one commentator says, uh, all in its right relationship to faith. Now faith here doesn't mean saving faith. Faith here means the body of faith. It means the belief or the doctrine. So prophecy, which is meant to exhort, encourage and comfort, must go with the right relationship to the revealed truth of God. So you see we have a little caveat in that little list. And it's a, it's a lovely caveat. And then another commentator says, prophecy is the gift of inspired utterance. This activity is to be done according to the proportion of faith or in harmony with that which was already uh, spoken of God. So that's why we can legitimately put this word in here because that little caveat at the end of the verse. So that's not that supernatural prophecy. 
in this column. It is preaching. So this, it, it, it qualifies as a permanent gift under Romans 12. Now what about the left-hand column? Here, where we've got the prophecy grayed out. Because remember, it's the same Greek word. Remember, there's, there's those two meanings. So, <clears throat> in the left-hand column, in 1 Corinthians 12.8, which is the left-hand column, we have this list of gifts. Now, the first... One is the word of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, working miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, diverse kind of spirit, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Now, I've left out here most of the others and I've grayed these. But essentially, these all appear to be temporary gifts at the moment until I discount, until I discount them. So, by association, because prophecy's in here, I would say that the prophecy in, um, in this column, by association, is the foretelling one, the one that has ceased, which will be very interesting when we have a look at, uh, at some of these other gifts. But it's starting to look to me that, in fact, in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10, it appears that they are all temporary gifts. There's a list of temporary gifts, but it will come clearer as, uh, as, we, as we do a little bit more next week and the week after. So, so I've taken away from here. The prophecy in here is definitely a non-permanent gift, but the prophecy on this side in Romans qualifies as a permanent gift, which means preaching as, as we see it today. So that brings us to an end. And um, let's pray and uh, ask the Lord to bless us. Father God, we, we thank you for your wonderful word. We thank you, Father, for its um, uh, coordinated um, uh, writing. Thank you, Father God, that one piece of scripture proves another. And Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy. We pray, Father God, that you would continue your blessing this morning as we are going to our main service. Father, be with us as we, um, as we worship you in song and, uh, and uh, the other aspects, Lord. We pray also for our brother um, uh, Joshua, that, Lord, you would empower him and guide him with your Holy Spirit that he might preach your precious word. So, Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. <laughs>